Welcome to Hitting Play, the podcast where we review, analyze, and discuss shows, movies, and other curiosities. I am Scott, and joining me from the mean streets of Melbourne, Australia, is Hamish. Welcome back. Hello there. I, I've survived. <laughs> well, this week we are here to talk about the Marvel Comics multimedia event called Maximum Carnage. Uh, for those that don't know, Maximum Carnage was actually a comic book crossover that ran across various Spider-Man titles from May to August 1993. Uh, it was no ordinary comic book storyline. It spanned 14 different issues. It was actually accompanied by a small line of action figures, a video game for the Super Nintendo Entertainment System and the Sega Genesis, and even many years later, which I found out, uh, they, they created an event at Universal Studios, uh, the Superhero Island. It's part of their Islands of Adventure. They actually had a uh, Maximum Carnage event. So this was pretty big. Hmm. It was, uh, I think we got the issues down here in Australia as well. So obviously, I don't, th- I don't think there would be any change to the main story down here in Australia. But yeah, I, I think I do own a couple issues from uh, the Maximum Carnage series. Yeah, I had a couple too. Not all of them though. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I know anyone who actually had the entire run. I had, like, bits and pieces, and I think I knew another friend who had, like, the last, maybe, last two issues. And, like, yeah, it depends on who was actually collecting this stuff. Because this was back when comics and comic events were were big, but only to the people who knew about them. Right, and, right. You know, not these days, where you have something like Civil War, uh, and that comic event was, you know, the biggest thing I think Marvel did uh, recently, uh, compared to that what they recently? They recently rebooted everything, or they blended all the parallel universes into one. Yeah, now. Battle World and the new Secret Wars and all that stuff. Yeah, which has now become the norm for every comic book distributor, where it's like, oh, just reboot everything, and it's like, well, Bat- <laughs> Batman's no longer Batman, and then you know, a couple of months later, now he's Batman again. Why? Because we have a movie coming out where you really need to put him back into the book. Right. Yeah. You know, so <laughs> it, it, it's interesting that you know this is back in the day where these events were basically built for one character. Not like multiple characters all at the same time, which they're doing recently. Where it's like every character has to have a spin-off book and a spin-off one-off and a whatever, and it affects everybody and every other character. Where where now it's just basically well, back then it was basically just Spider-Man dealing with some problems. But while this comic book crossover kind of branched out into all different things, uh, toys and and comic books and the games, and everything, we're mainly going to talk about the video game Maximum Carnage. Uh, this game, it was developed by LGN, which I believe is a division of Acclaim. Uh, it's just called Maximum Carnage, or officially, it's actually called Spider-Man and Venom, colon, Maximum Carnage. Mm, gotta really love that colon. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> These video games were released on September 16th, 1994 in North America. I believe they came out in Europe a little later, and I'm not sure about in Australia, but it was all around the same time, late 1994. Yeah, this is one that, um, I think a lot of LGN, was it, L- I'm saying LGN? <laughs> LJN. LJN, I'm saying LGN, yeah. I don't know why. Um, that was a lot of time, I, I remember a lot of my childhood being filled with a lot of those uh, games produced by them. Not all good, unfortunately. No. 
You know, it's like <laughs> they got the license and they're like, okay, we don't know what we're doing. We'll try our best to make something which looks like a game. And on the box art, it will seem like a game. But when you play it, it has nothing to do with the character. Maybe minimally. But um, yeah, I remember the game coming out. But it wasn't like what it is these days with video games where it's like a huge release. It's basically, it appeared on the shelf at my local video busters. And that's actually a real name of the video store that was there. <laughs> Well, we have Blockbuster, or we did have Blockbuster here, so not that far off. Oh, yeah, we had Blockbuster as well, but um, this is one of those... Wait, you very... had... wait, wait, wait. You had Video Busters and Blockbuster? I'll put it this way. This is this is my local <laughs> video store. You know how they, every other video store who wasn't part of a chain had to have some sort of slightly knockoff name or some sort of uh, goofy <laughs> name, which is either related to a film, like, you know, either they're called reel-to-reel rentals or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think maybe there, were, there could have been two different owners of that video store because I think it was Video Busters. It may have been something else later on, but it was, I remember it being Video Busters. That, that's the only way you got people in because it said the word Buster on it or Busters, and so that's how you got people into that video store. But yeah, that was my local. <laughs> that was my low. That was my local. I never went to these. No, I think I wouldn't say never, but I didn't really have um, a, a Blockbuster video nearby. There might have been one, but I think it was called. Civic Video or something like that. And, like, yeah, those are the fancy ones. Those are the fancy ones where you go in and, you know, they have actual proper lighting and they have a huge array of uh, videotapes and VHSs. Uh, but my one was very minimal. It was next door to... What was it? It was next door to a pizza shop, so... Yeah, you, <laughs> you get, get everything pizza. at once. I remember doing that. I think that was a, a typical Friday or Saturday night where it's like you know get money from your parents, go to the pizza shop, and when it was whatever that was left, you bought uh, or rented a, a video. <laughs> I, re- I remember that, and so you know you end up kind of going to the video game section and making a poor choice. I think most of the time, because many of, of those course. games weren't. Because this thing, you couldn't really. I didn't have the. There was no internet. Yeah, there's no internet to check it out. There's only, I think, I think Nintendo Power or there's like PC Gamer Magazine mm-hmm. and things like that. And they assumed what these games were like. I mean, you assumed what they were like because you read the reviews and they're like, oh, it's a game. It's got good graphics. It does this. <laughs> and, you know, from the pictures, you think it's really cool because as a kid, you don't really read too much into what people are saying. You just kind of look at the images and think, oh, my God, it's really cool. It's got a fish. It's got robotic arms. Right, right. If you ever want to get the box ever- art. Well, that's the thing. Like, you know, you look at the artwork for... That was, I think, James Pond. You ever play that game? No. <laughs> I've never heard of that. Seriously? See, that's the thing. They don't make... It seems like they made games. Like, back in the days, they made games that they were able to just... You know, whatever name was connected to it. It's like, oh, we'll just use the uh, a, a character based off a, a drink company's mascot. And we'll just make a game out of that. That will work. Or, hey, Home Improvement <laughs> needs a game, right? Oh, boy, yeah. Yeah, I remember that Home Improvement game. It was not... It was... It's really hard to describe. It's like, how did a TV show get a game like this? Bizarre. But yeah, that's, that's <laughs> I remember for the array of games there, you basically took a chance at whatever one was there, and you went, I will have this one. Uh, and after a while, when you actually found the ones which are good, you kind of just stuck with them. So I remember getting Maximum Carnage. And yeah, I didn't think too much of it, because like, I... I Saw bits and pieces of the comic book when I was a kid, uh, and the animated show, which is really great. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, the first two series, I think later on, it kind of they get really, really cheap with the animation. Very yes. <laughs> yeah, it's like you know, it, it felt like every episode later on in the later series felt like they were trying hard to save a lot of money. That's what I assume from that Spider-Man animated series. Yes, I think it. I believe it was animated in the U.S. 
so they uh, they really were tight with the budget. Mm. I think series yeah. one was the better series. It had like a, a fluid animation to it. But then you know you look at things like Batman the Animated Series, and they really couldn't keep up that standard. No, no, not at all. Uh, but um, yeah, we sl- I, I remember getting the game and taking it home, and you know it, was, it, it turned out to be a really really fun game, especially for the fact that. Yeah, even though you have PC, it wasn't really too much for me on PC to play. Uh, and being a massive Spider-Man fan, it was like the game that you thought was the best. Because, yeah, it, it looked great. It played okay. And then every time I'd go back to the video store, I kept on borrowing the game again. Because it was really cool and had that really great soundtrack. And as a kid, that's what really resonated with me. Loud music right, right. and comic book characters. <laughs> for me, uh, this, this game I actually bought uh, on clearance... Uh, when I was younger at Kmart, our, uh, one of our local department stores, uh, a friend of the family had a, a cottage down by the beach and he was going to be away for, for a while and asked if I could water the plants for him. So my father would drive me over there. I'd water the plants. And when the guy came back, he gave me 10 bucks and I used it to buy maximum carnage. I kind of bought it sight unseen and tried it out and, uh, it ended up being a game that I loved it. It's one of those things you play it when you're young, so whether it's good or bad, you you just kind of love it just because you played it when you were younger, or you had no choice. <laughs> well, that too. I you yeah. know I I bought the thing. I wasn't going to return it. But what actually attracted you to it though? Like you know, if you hadn't, you didn't know too much about it, right? Well, the the one thing I did know is well, we had commercials for it here. Mm-hmm. We had commercials on TV. It was, you know, the scary commercial. You, you see the New York skyline and uh, people are looking up and the sky is turning red. Uh, and then you see this, you know, image of carnage, you know, coming down. It's pretty much the box art uh, being reproduced um, in, you know, commercial form. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did own a copy of Spider-Man Unlimited number one, which mm-hmm. this game is, you know, mainly based on from there. And so I was familiar with the character of Carnage. In Spider-Man and the storyline, so I just thought it was, you know, pretty cool that a comic book crossover had a tie-in to a real video game. I had never seen that before. I don't know if it was ever done up to that point. Yeah, I'm trying to recall. I I can't think of anything off the top of my head uh, which was like that. I think Spider-Man was basically the go-to guy. Beyond, I no, I can't think. I'd just say like, you know, maybe Batman had a game, but yeah, you know, I, I I can't think of anything beyond those Batman uh, movie games, which actually were really good too. Those were very good, yeah. And, and The Adventures of Batman and Robin, based on, you know, the Batman oh, yeah. animated series. Excellent, excellent game. Yeah, that was another one I, I, I played on, uh, way too much of. It's just, because, <laughs> it, yeah, it, was just, it looks just like the, the show. It's animated. And I think if you had the, was it the Seeger edition on CD, there's actually a full episode that's literally within the game itself. Cause, I oh, mean, really? I'm like, just talking it, about the, uh, the cartridge, the uh, Super NES cartridge. Oh, no, because there's different versions. Like, they've ported to NES, and there's one, I think, on Sega Mega Drive. Uh, oh, wow. And and what they did was that they actually animated cutscenes between it, like, between levels. So you actually had a... F- I mean, this was animated properly by Warner Brothers and actually voiced by Kevin Conroy. Uh, and, yeah, they actually animated, a f- like, these sequences in between levels. So if you cut them together, there's actually a full episode of... Oh, wow. Yeah, uh, Batman the Animated Series, yeah. Very cool. Obviously, it didn't translate over to yeah, the cartridge, because the cartridge could not handle that kind of power no as we go through this game we'll see there's a lot of limitations in the technology Mm. this game it was special for a few reasons and i figured we could kind of go through some of these for one it was released in a bright red cartridge and this was uh something unseen at the time i I think there was a couple of nintendo cartridges that might have been gold or silver but uh to see 
Instead of that standard Nintendo gray or that Sega Genesis black, this was bright red. Mm, like that was lucky for you because the cartridge I got was gray. Yeah, I got the red one on clearance. <laughs> I, I had no idea. Just casually collecting these things and going like, oh, well, it's red. I guess it's, uh, you know, they're all red or something like that. No, I, well, I knew the difference, it, it, but hey, it, it just was, sounds it like was... you're very nonchalant about it. It's like, oh, I'll just collect this. What, like, if you're buying other games, it's like, oh, look, a gold cartridge for, like, Zelda. Uh, I guess that's normal. Whatever. <laughs> no, it, it was very cool. I still have all my old Super NES games, and that is the only unique color that I have. Now, I was looking on eBay just to see what these cartridges go for, because they, they were the first wave. They were limited edition, and then the, the later waves, when they, you know, were released again, mm. uh, they were just the standard Nintendo Gray, the standard Sega Black, and those are probably the ones that a lot of people uh, rented. Mm. Uh, but I looked on eBay, and this red cartridge will cost you anywhere from 25 to 30 US dollars, so it still commands a, a good amount of money. Yeah, you're sitting on a gold mine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a bright red gold mine. Now, another reason why it was special, as I mentioned, it was tied directly to a major comic book storyline, and it actually followed the narrative pretty well. Uh, Maximum Carnage, as I mentioned, is a 14-part story. It started with Spider-Man Unlimited. It was uh, launched specifically for this storyline. It was kind of bookended between Spider-Man Unlimited number one and Spider-Man Unlimited number two. Uh, it went uh, through Web of Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man, Spider-Man, and Spectacular Spider-Man. And uh, yeah, so Spider-Man had a whole bunch of titles. And this storyline kind of ensured that you bought a little bit of each one. Mm. It, it seemed like he was, um, he's really the, the flagship guy for Marvel at that time, I believe. Yeah. Like, even though you had, like, I think Iron Man, you had, uh, I think, no, everyone was, this was 90, so everyone was going through a, a radical change-up. I remember everyone had that kind of weird in in that between that time where everyone for some reason had that kind of extreme style about themselves uh, yep. or was very very much built as a classic character. Iron Man hadn't had his was it outrageous armor change for a while. Uh you know unlike was it his later late 90s early 2000s look where you know the suit became sentient and Captain America wasn't wearing armor, and Thor was actually still in his outfits, like his actual outfit, before he became... What's it? There's like that guy, Thunderstrike, who was like a... Thunderstrike? Like a, a brown leather jacket. Yeah, everyone had brown leather jackets. Cyclops wore one, Mr. Fantastic <laughs> wore one. Uh, it, they didn't really need them, but they had them. Yeah, it was basically they added a jacket to whatever outfit they had. You know, it's like... Yeah. You know, Cyclops with his blue and yellow outfit, all of a sudden is like, oh, I need a jacket with this. I, I need a jacket. <laughs> Punisher yeah. had a, a brown leather jacket. Everyone, everyone had a brown leather jacket. Yeah, it was a, it was a guy who went through selling them fine leather jackets, and that guy was <laughs> Guybrush Threepwood. <laughs> if we're talking about video games, that was another game I spent way too much time playing. Uh, but yeah, everyone had that kind of extreme style about themselves during the, the 90s. But yeah, it was, it was strange because like, you still had characters that we know today. I mean, like, yeah, Captain America, Iron Man, Thor, uh, and the rest of the Avengers. But the, yeah, it, it seemed like Spider-Man was the go-to guy. He was like the lead guy for Marvel for many of that time. I mean, you know, yeah, he, he had titles built just for him. The only one even close to that was X-Men. X-Men had a whole bunch of titles. They were they were very big in the 90s, and then now we're kind of in that Avengers era of, of Marvel now. Mm. Yeah, I mean, like the, I think the Avengers came back, uh, and the, I think they were still trying to really work out what to do with them during, throughout the 90s. I think uh, the X-Men characters were getting more attention, 
because they, you know, they they'd seemed like um, I think that animated show, which I'm not sure it became out. They came out before the Spider-Man show, I believe. Yeah, a couple of years, I think. Yeah, so there was like a lot more attention drawn to them because yeah, that show was picking up and they were selling it to kids, and you know the X Men had more of those uh, interesting, more interesting stories at the, at the time. But yeah, like yeah, throughout the nineties, yeah, you had like uh, yeah, Spider Man had his main stories because he had Maximum Carnage, you also had Maximum Clonage, oh, which yeah. wasn't a creative title. Uh, <laughs> but you know, you also had I think this is after uh, Infinity Wars. Yep. Uh, and like so you had this whole upheaval of new characters popping up and you know the crazy adventure they went off and obviously Infinity War, Wars was there to sell more toys uh, so yeah I think with the X-Men they had a whole bunch of their own series again selling toys but thanks to the animated series which is going hand in hand yeah they're really pushing more and more uh, stories in their direction because yeah I think the X-Men could have their own crazy stories and Spider-Man could have his pseudo-realistic stories I want to say like he's he's still trying to be like the everyman Mm-hmm. But still, also, he's a fantastical character. But yeah, yeah, it was a really interesting time throughout the nice, especially for um, outfit changes. <laughs> oh my goodness, yeah. And uh, more on Thunderstrike later. Mm. <laughs> we'll see him a little bit later. So basically, just to summarize Maximum Carnage, the storyline as told in the comic books, uh, in prison, part of the alien symbiote of which Venom is comprised bonded with Cletus Cassidy, a homicidal psychopath who killed his own grandmother by pushing her down a flight of stairs. It was presumed that the symbiote that bonded with him was destroyed, and Cletus was imprisoned in the Ravencroft Institute, a facility for criminally insane superhumans. And here, Cletus surprised everyone by unleashing the symbiote, which was actually bonded with his blood. And he becomes Carnage, and as he escapes, he brings along a fellow inmate named Shriek, and they find a monster named Doppelganger. And he also later recruits Demogoblin and Carrion, and he views this group as a family, with him as the father, Shriek as his wife, and Doppelganger as their six-armed child. <laughs> and it is really interesting to think that the character of Doppelganger, who, he came from the Infinity Wars, story yes uh, he's he's literally just like a monster version of spider-man that's it yeah that's it there, there's there's nothing else beyond that i mean like it, it's it's funny for this storyline because like the character designs are very similar like you know the the character doppelganger which is great because he didn't get to choose his own name he's just called doppelganger and it's yeah. a doppelganger for one guy so you know you, you think if you have any other character fighting him and it's like you know he he names himself Doppelganger. It's like so you're a Doppelganger of Spider-Man, yes, and you call yourself Doppelganger. But if I have a Doppelganger, let's say I'm Captain America and I have a Doppelganger, I have to call him something else or Doppelganger or what? <laughs> you know, it just 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 it doesn't make sense for his character. But again, this is the comic books and it doesn't need to make sense. It's just that his design is very much the same as Carnage and uh, Venom. The face design is literally the same, except that he has his eyes that look like part of the mask have like the bug eye look to it, and that's it. Yeah, you kind of get the sense that his eyes are actually his functional eyes. He's not wearing a mask or a costume. That's his skin. That, those are his teeth and tongue, like Venom. Uh, this He's just this uh, fantastical monster created out of the fabric of reality. Uh, he is more beast than man. You know, he's, uh, he's like an animal, essentially, mm. like a loyal dog. Mm. But it's just interesting for his design. It's very similar. I guess it saves time when you're drawing that kind of stuff, I assume. I guess. I love the character. I, I still, somewhere in a box somewhere, I, I have the action figure of him that I bought when I was a kid. Oh, me too. Is that like kind of like that big hulking one with a bunch of joints in it? 
Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think I have the same one somewhere. Somewhere in, my, in a pile of Spider-Man toys, I, I do have, <laughs> which I think thanks, again, thanks to the, uh, an animated TV show, I do have a whole collection of those figures somewhere. They were great, yeah. You can't get rid of them. Come on. Oh, no, no, those figures were great, but the thing is, like, they made them, like, in the old-fashioned style, where it's, like, um, one of the, like, because I think before that, they they made these Spider-Man toys, where, like, you, if you pull up the, the a chest plate in his stomach, and you pull it out, it has, like, a, a tape connected to it, which looks like a spiderweb, and it kind of after you pull it out, he, the Spider-Man, like, you have to hold it up in the air. Spider-Man would basically reel it back in, into his own chest. I didn't have that one. I, I saw them all over the place. <laughs> yeah, like, it was like a chest cavity, you pull it open, and then he kind of just zips back up. No, I see, I had a Batman one where you pull his belt, and his belt yeah. hooks onto things, and it would reel it in. Yeah, see, that's I, I didn't have that one. But no, they, had, they made these Spider-Man toys, which were like, yeah, you pull this chest cavity, and he zips back up. Like, he, it's a slow kind of... A zip back up. It isn't like a fast, like, action zip. It's kind of like a slow reeling in, in a weird way. <laughs> if, if I could find the figure, I'll show you. But they remade that for, like, the animated series toys as well. Like, they made a mm. version of it. But yeah, those toys were pretty fun. So anyway, back to the storyline. As this group goes on this crime spree, Shriek uses her mind control to turn the citizens of New York into this mindless, violent horde. Now, Spider-Man and Venom form this uneasy alliance aimed at stopping him, even though they have a very major difference in philosophies. Uh, Venom is willing to kill Carnage, while Spider-Man is not. And as things get worse, there's other heroes that actually join them, including Captain America, Iron Fist, and uh, I don't know if you remember this guy. There was there was somebody named Nightwatch. Do you remember Nightwatch? Oh, I'm trying to think. There's a lot of guys called Night. Or like Dark or something like that. Yeah, Dark Hawk. And I, I I confused him with Dark Hawk, but Nightwatch is an alleged ripoff of Spawn that uh, just so happened to be created by Marvel less than a year after Todd McFarlane left Marvel. And it's it's worth looking up. It's very, very similar. Mm. There was a there was a little bit of um overlap with designs back in the day there. Yes. He's a guy, he's like black and he's his mask was black, and he's a. Uh, there's like a kind of the eye, an eye shape around the mask. Like, yep. a, it looks like white bones, but also still yeah. retains the shape of like a Spider-Man mask slash Spawn mask. That's it. That's him, and he's got yes. a red cape which uh, shapeshifts. Oh yeah, yeah. No, yeah, I remember. yeah. I don't <laughs> know really what happened to that guy, but uh, big in the '90s, especially around the time of Spawn. But uh, anyway, so there was a whole group of heroes that joined them, and uh, because the alien costume is vulnerable to both heat and sound, they recruit Firestar, who has the power of microwave radiation, and uh, at this time, for some reason, the Fantastic Four are away. I guess they're on vacation, (laughs) so they have to break into their headquarters to borrow a sonic gun. I like if they and break break into their place. There's there's no guy. There's no like message service. They couldn't call them and say, "Hey, Reed, do you have a key somewhere I could use to get into the place?" No. It's just like we'll break into their place. That's yeah. the only way. We can't send them an email because AOL is probably down at that time. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's it, it's really stupid. Yeah. A lot of these storylines, you kind of have to fabricate reasons why uh, why the X Men don't show up. Why you know if this is the biggest threat. You know, all of New York is being taken over by the, this group of criminals. Why doesn't, you know, every super team mobilize? But, yeah, only certain ones, so whatever. Uh, but at one point, they actually are able to kill Carnage. Firestar is able to hit him with a, you know, beam of microwave radiation. But Spider-Man talks her out of it, and he ends uh-huh. up getting away. 
So eventually, Carnage turns on his family and attacks Shriek and seemingly kills Doppelganger when he comes to her defense. He's like, like I mentioned, he's like a loyal dog. Uh, I say seemingly because eventually you find out that Doppelganger lived, but for our purposes, he's dead. Uh, as the villains continue to fight now, Shriek is distracted from her mind control over the city, and the heroes use a Stark Industries device, which projects, as Ringo Starr would say, peace and love, peace and love. And uh, this overwhelms them, and Carnage flees. Uh, Carnage later finds a dead body and covers it with some of his symbiote costume to make it look like his body to fake his death. But Venom tracks him down and brutally beats him, like really goes all out on him. And if that wasn't enough, he then tackles him into an electrical generator. And once he's knocked out, Carnage is once again thrown in prison. And that is the end of the Maximum Carnage storyline as told by the comic books. Mm. So yeah, I mean, I read a couple of comics from the storyline. I, I own the beginning, that first issue that I read when I was younger. But I never really read it through. Uh, just uh, kind of an interesting end to everything. You wonder what happened afterwards once everybody in New York realized they were under mind control and uh, <laughs> had to go about their normal lives. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they'll just basically go, oh, I missed a couple days. Oh, well. <laughs> but one good thing about that is it ties into the game. You know, a lot of these side-scrolling beat-em-up games features tons of people that you have to fight. These just low-level drones, you know, these guys that don't really mean anything. And mm. there's really no explanation for them, but here we actually do get an explanation. All of the citizens were overtaken by mind control and, and become these, you know, mindless, violent people. So, you know, at least there's some explanation there. Yeah, that's true. I mean, like, for a game, putting that kind of extra detail in there, I mean, at least, yeah, it makes some sense. But what doesn't make sense is that the fact that there's a lot of people who look the same. What I hate was the guy with the umbrella. Yes. <laughs> now, now, as I recall it, just a guy with an umbrella apparently is enough to take down Spider-Man. He has, he has no skills beyond an umbrella, but apparently that's the best thing he's got to destroy Spider-Man. Like, Spider-Man's fought other villains and <laughs> monsters, but a guy with an umbrella, a bald dude, glasses, umbrella... That's his greatest enemy, according to me when I play the game. Oh yeah, they're they're very tough. He, he's an older man. He probably had some fencing in his past, clearly, by the way he wields that umbrella. Oh yeah, yeah. Spider-Man, who has like the powers of a, a you know a spider, relatively, <laughs> and you know you see him do backflips and yeah, no, a guy with one umbrella. That doesn't make sense. But yeah, it's just it's the people are controlled. So yeah, that makes sense. But again, it just doesn't make sense that everyone looks pseudo the same. Like, oh look, here's two women who seem to be wearing a beret and sports yes. outfit, but they have like black hair and one has brown hair. But they look exactly the same. Well, that's one thing I gotta give the game credit for, is a huge diversity in terms of the you know, the villains that you have to fight. All races, all genders, <laughs> all ages. Everyone's represent all body types. I mean, skinny guys, fat guys, uh, old people, mm. teenagers with you know sunglasses and backwards caps. Everyone's well represented here. They had knives. Everyone had knives or something. <laughs> or had some sort of like fighting ability. You know, like two women had some sort of you know jujitsu ability. There's like young kids with knives, guys throwing trash cans at you, and then there's that still that bald guy with the glasses with an umbrella. <laughs> sorry i died so many times when i got to was it uh, new york central park i died so many times thanks to that guy 
It's tough. It's tough. And there, there was actually a trick. I watched some, uh, some playthroughs. There mm-hmm. was a trick to beating those guys as well as some of the others. I'll get to that though. <laughs> Believe it or not, I'm still in the middle of this list of why <laughs> this mm. game was special. <laughs> one, one other thing is that oh, we were talking about this a little bit before, but this game actually features cutscenes between levels, and this is something that you know is now in every game. But this was kind of a newer thing for you know for cartridge games. It, it was actually cutscenes that were panels taken directly from the comic books. They were you know digitized. And uh, it started with Spider-Man Unlimited number one. Those panels that you see of Cletus Cassidy being wheeled in like Hannibal Lecter, those are actual panels from that comic book. And they were given a little motion, like, you know, like motion comics do, uh, mm. just to make it appear as though there's a little animation to it. But uh, very innovative, at least for the time. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was, like, really interesting to see, like, you know... Um... It was, it was it was like there wasn't much voice acting also in the game as well. Like they had those kind of sound bites of I think it was laughter from Carnage, which they reused a lot. Yeah. And then people being I wanna say it's a gasping sound. Like yeah, a, it was like, arr, arr. Yeah. <laughs> like a <laughs> a sound like that. And that was it. Like, you know, there's no real voice acting. There's um, a man yeah, scream, there's a lady scream. I think it's like the same scream, they just pitched it up. <laughs> Probably. That was literally <laughs> it, because they had to save room. Yeah, they had that. Uh, but yeah, the animated parts, well, the pseudo motion and comic parts were like, yeah, quite interesting. Another big thing about this game, you can't mention the game without talking about the soundtrack. And this was something pretty innovative, too, is that the soundtrack played a very big part in this game and the promotion of it. It actually had a real soundtrack. This was the album 333 by the comedy punk band known as Green Jello. For a while, though, actually, was it Jelly for a while, wasn't they? Well, the, here's the story. Uh, Green Jello was founded by a frontman, Bill Manspeaker, and they were originally Green Jello, J E L L O, but Jello is a registered trademark of the Kraft Foods Corporation. And there were some, um, some legal, maybe cease and desist actions taking place. Uh, and they had to go by Green Jelly, but the Y had a little umlaut over it. And they claimed that that made the Y sound like a long O. So even though written out, it was Green Jelly, uh, they still pronounced their name Green Jello. Hmm. Now, uh, Maximum Carnage actually came out at a very interesting time for Green Jello. In 1994, they embarked on this $4 million joint venture with uh, the record company BMI, and they opened Green Jello Studios, which was an audiovisual production house located right on Sunset Boulevard in Hollywood, California. The Mm. intention there was to produce music and also music videos for Green Jello and other bands, as well as TV and film production work. And this is actually where they recorded their fourth album, which is 333, which we, you know, hear throughout the game. When, uh, when the game starts, you know, that dun, 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 that's a, (laughs) that's the opening track called Carnage Rules. Oh yeah, it's a creative title. (laughs) <laughs> and it's actually become Carnage's theme song. Uh, there's recently been a uh, another Marvel superhero game, and when Carnage was introduced to it, that's the theme song that they use. They reuse that that Carnage rules song because it's so tied to that character because of this game. Yeah, I think part of that is also the nostalgia. That's for that um, Marvel Online game, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah, uh, I think that's part of the nostalgia of the character as well. Uh, seeing as, yeah, there's a lot of people who still played this game uh, and knew about it from uh, the old NSA, uh, 
SNES, <laughs> SNES era. Um, <laughs> it's SNES or NES, up to you. Uh, uh, but yeah, I always yeah. called it SNES. I think I remember calling it SNES, just because it sounds so, so stupid. <laughs> um, but you know, yeah, that's the thing. It's like that um, that track, that particular track, yeah, is, is tied to the characters because, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people who played it. I mean, I don't, I can't think of any other characters who actually have their own theme music beyond the main character of the Spider-Man. piece. Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Yeah, that guy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's his own theme, but, you know, it, it, even though he's that's quite old-fashioned now. Yeah, he. It, I don't think there's any other villain who actually has a theme music like that. No, and it was it, just to last this long, you know, over, over 20 years. Yeah. Now, um, the album that was used, 333, uh, there was problems that they had with the label, it wasn't really promoted well, and the album really did fail commercially. But songs from it showed up in three very specific places. Uh, Maximum Carnage, which we were talking about. Hmm. Its sequel, Separation Anxiety. And also the track The Bear Song was featured in the movie Dumb and Dumber. Really? Yes. <laughs> it, uh, that's a very interesting track. I, I actually own the Dumb and Dumber soundtrack. <laughs> I was able to pick it up for 99 cents. And, uh, yeah, the, the bear song is, uh, you know, the bear went over the mountain to see what it could see, yeah. but in a, a very angry punk tone. Why do you own the soundtrack to Dumb Dumber? <laughs> I think in the early days of eBay, I was like, oh, look at that. It's only 99 cents. <laughs> but why do you still have it? Oh, I never got rid of any of my old CDs. You see, you've never had, like, a thought of, like, I need to listen to something that's, you know, reminiscent of my youth. And pull it out. I think I was still in my youth. I think that was the problem. Oh, no, no. We're all getting old now. <laughs> it, it's like if I listen to System of a Down now, I can remember where I was. And then I realized, like, wow, I was very much of an angsty teen back then. I guess so. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to defend my, uh, <laughs> my early music purchases. <laughs> I can't. There's no defense. You don't have to. I think a lot of people were, I guess, at the time, thought it was really great. You know, it's like a, a lot of people who have, I guess today, still have a lot of Spice Girls stuff, but still, but still like they don't really justify it. It's just in the ether of having music these days. Mm-hmm. You know, it isn't like you got some sort of concept album where it was basically just a guy playing, you know, uh, washing up equipment for like 20 minutes. You know, it's not, not like that, you know, just because you thought that was going to be the next newest thing. So you bought like, you know, 20 albums from the guy. You know, it, it, it's fine. You can own it. I'm I'm sure there's still people who own the Batman Forever soundtrack. Uh, I actually own that as well. <laughs> okay, and you're one of them. I own it on cassette and CD, unfortunately. Why do you have it on two mediums? <laughs> Was it just that good to have it on two different things? I, I I owned it on cassette when it first came out. I was in fifth grade, and then yeah. I think again when when I went on eBay, I found it really cheap, like for a dollar, and figured mm. that would uh, be really cool to have in crystal clear <laughs> in a crystal clear format because you really wanted was it kiss, kiss from, from a rose, rose. Oh, yeah, it was you, all, you, you really wanted to go that it was all about kiss from a rose so if you notice in the game as it starts and you get the credits for marvel comics and ljn there is a credit for green jello with the album art for 333 and uh it's just like this crazy monster uh i don't know if you remember what that cover art looks like but uh, just a cool little side note, the band's album art and the logos, they were done by one of its vocalists, Kim O'Donnell, who went on to become a visual effects artist and actually worked on the movie Spider-Man 2. Mm. Kind of went full circle. 
True. I mean, you know, Spider-Man 2 was actually a really good movie. Probably the best mm. of all of them. I don't know. I, I still like the first one, though. First one's excellent as well. The third one, t- eh. Yeah, the, th- the third one has the same sort of fatigue that you see in other films, where it's like the third one's got too many people putting their hands into it. You know, especially when you see, like, was it Spider-Man 3, and then you look at uh, Dark Knight Rises. Uh, you look at that, and you can see that there's a lot of people who kind of put their hands into that going, we should do this, and we should try doing this. Never works. No, it's just, it's awful. Now, another feature of this game that really made it special was the superhero pickups, if you remember those. Mm -hmm. Uh, It it was so other characters from the Maximum Carnage storyline could make cameos in the game and assist you. And you kind of like picked up these tokens that featured their faces. You could cycle through them with the, uh, at least on the Super NES, the, the left shoulder button and then you press the right one to activate it. And so in the, in the game, there was Black Cat, Captain America, Cloak and Dagger, Deathlock, Firestar, Iron Fist, Morbius, and if you were Venom, you could activate Spider-Man, and if you were Spider-Man, you could activate Venom. Mm. And they were very effective. They were a, a very good secret weapon, and they came in handy. Oh, yeah. If you had, like, Firestar, that was the best one. Yeah, and, and from what I've read, I don't know, I haven't seen this in action, but it, if you used characters that were more loyal to Venom... They were more effective if you were Venom. If you had, if you were Spider-Man and you used characters that were more loyal to Spider-Man, they were more effective for him. Hmm. And, and one other thing that made this game very special, and I had not seen it up to this point, was that the final boss battle allowed you to switch between the two major protagonists, Spider-Man and Venom. It's kind of like a, a tag team. It's something that you saw a lot as the uh, you know the the '90s went into the 2000s, and we get a lot of those. Um, Marvel versus Capcom and those type of games where you could switch, you know, you were a team of two and you could do the tag team. Mm. But before that, it really didn't see it much. And this game actually had that. Yeah, but I remember that getting to that point where like you think right off the bat as a kid, you're like, oh yeah, I can be these characters. I can be whichever one. And it's like, no, no, only until you get to this point in the story. But it was cool. It had that kind of branching storytelling. Yeah. All right, so let's take a look at our main characters. We have our main protagonist, Spider-Man. First appearance, Amazing Fantasy number 15, August 1962. And if any listeners have one of those issues laying around they want to send to us, let me know. Um, <laughs> no, we all know who Spider-Man is. I don't have to explain him. But uh, I, no, one no, thing no, I no. Just... I, th- I think you have to explain him. I mean, okay. there might, might be one person on this planet. Remember, we've had two reboots. That's true. Uh, multiple cartoon series where they've actually had to redo the origin story. So obviously we need to inform people for the hundredth time. Okay, basically picture doppelganger without the extra arms. That's kind of what Spider-Man is. Oh, okay, that makes it easier. Yeah, cool. Okay. <laughs> now, uh, one thing I wanted to point out, this is something I never noticed until recently, and it was just, it cracked me up. On that iconic cover of Amazing Fantasy 15, you know, we see Spider-Man, he's swinging over the buildings of New York, he has a criminal in tow. If you look at his words in the word bubbles on the cover, he says, Though the world may mock Peter Parker, the timid teenager, it will soon marvel at the awesome might of Spider-Man. And uh, that made me laugh because in his very first appearance, capturing his very first criminal, Spider-Man screams to him his full name, his age, and the fact that he's usually timid. Well, that's the thing. The the guy's already (laughs) baffled by the fact that there's a guy swinging between buildings. And he's like, like, half of it would be like he's hearing parts of what he's saying. The other half is just fear. You know, he's going to die because a masked vigilante's just, you know, picked him up and hoist him in the air. I don't know if he's taking him to the police or he's just 
gonna fling him into a wall or something, but hey, that's imagery for you. Maybe he just drops him, I don't know. Well, it's the same as it was at the first appearance of Superman. Everyone assumed he was a villain because he's, hoist- he's lifting up a car and looks like he's about to drop it on some good dude. <laughs> now, our other player here is Venom. He- this is the Eddie Brock Venom, the original Venom. I think he's somebody different now. And as at now, he's like uh, part of the member of Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, it's Flash Thompson. Is it Flash Thompson now? Yeah, Flash Thompson. He's um, he appeared. I can't remember the right the the exact issue, but it was when Eddie Brock had cancer for a while, and then the Venom reject rejected him, and then because you find out in the comic book that the the symbiote runs off like adrenaline, and he couldn't use him anymore, and then he goes off for a while, and then I think he's I think he's picked up by like an, an evil government agency, and then you find out in one of the I'm trying to remember. I actually have this comic, and it's somewhere in the house, but. Didn't uh, he go to Flash. Scorpion or something? Yeah, I'm trying to remember like how I actually got to him first. Because I think Scorpion picked it up. He became Venom for a while. And then you had yeah. the whole Avengers Dark series for a while. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, he was Venom and he was still trying to control it. And, you know, it was still going bananas every time it saw uh, Spider-Man. And then when it left him, I do not remember why. Because, again, that series got a little bit confusing. After it left him, it went to a government agency. And then they had it for a while. And then they offered it to Flash Thompson, who came back from Afghanistan after, uh, you know, a tour of duty and lost his legs. And they gave it to him, and then it basically created legs for him, as long as he wore the uh, symbiote and did exactly what the government told him to do. Like, he had the bomb implanted in his neck, and he was going on these, like, dangerous missions. And so, as long as he did what he did, uh, they wouldn't blow him up. So Quite an interesting got... history here for the uh, the alien costume. Yeah, because it was funny on... It's funny because it, the character's moved on, and he's with Flash Thompson. I don't know how Flash Thompson has ended up with the Guardians of the Galaxy. Again, <laughs> I've... It, it, it's it's hard to bridge those two things. Uh, but yeah, he was doing things with government, and then Flash Thompson was using the symbiote because they could control the symbiote back at the base. Was it the symbiote worked with him to get rid of the bomb that was implanted in his neck, and then he bailed and ran away for a while. Um, but then between that time, I think, was it... There was this guy called Mr. Negative who was fighting Spider-Man, and he came in contact with... Like, he, he had this power to, you know, cure people, and he ended up in contact with Eddie Brock, and Eddie Brock still had the symbiote in his blood, and after touching him, cured him, I think, of his cancer and stuff like that, but did something to his blood. And then when the symbiote came back, I think... I'm trying to remember this time. I'm probably getting it really mixed up. Uh, this is still during the time where uh, the symbiote was on Scorpion, and then the Scorpion symbiote recognized Eddie Brock, and then when it tried to rebond with him, it activated the cells in his blood with the negative ability to create a negative version of Venom. Oh, anti-Venom, right? Yeah, so he had this anti-Venom created from Eddie Brock's blood, and he had the ability of curing people of illnesses and things like that. Eddie Brock's anti-Venom, where you still have Venom is still Venom, and then there's Carnage, and then there's toxin and then there's others <laughs> all the others but this is back um venom classic we're talking about you know, yeah yes uh, a much much simpler time yeah this was the uh, the eddie brock venom uh kind of a, a villain kind of an anti-hero uh just a, a cool character uh, his first appearance as the alien symbiote was in amazing spider-man 252 may 1984 and then finally as venom that was amazing spider-man 300 may 1988 Hmm. And we also have our main antagonist, Carnage. His first appearance as Cletus Cassidy, Amazing Spider-Man 344, March 1991. And then first appearing as Carnage, 
came a few issues later, Amazing Spider-Man 361, April 1992. Now, Hamish, how would you describe the look of Carnage? Uh, pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> that That's what I would say if I was a kid. Um, these days, he, he's basically like, he's got the, he's not a bodybuilder type like the Venom character. Because if you've seen the original comics with Venom, he's, what was it, Eddie Brock's supposed to be like a bodybuilder. Yeah. Like, yeah, spends a lot of time working out and getting huge. Uh, while Cleus Cassidy is a very thin, sinewy kind of character. And the design, the face designs are pretty much identical, but he's got this kind of red base with a black kind of swirling, I guess you would say swirling kind of tentacly look to his body. Because it depends on designer to designer like you know the artist would change design of carnage because i think in one of them he's been just like basically just all red uh with touches of black but most of the time you see him as a kind of a black and red kind of swirling mess <laughs> on his body you know he looks like he's wearing a leotard sometimes it's just uh red stringy goo basically yeah that's what it I'd just call like it. flies off of him he, he looks constantly like wet spaghetti as he's moving around <laughs> <laughs> He's very noodly. Yes, yes. We also have Shriek. Her first appearance was Spider-Man Unlimited, number one, May 1993. She was kind of like created just for the storyline. She's kind of like pale white with big hair. She's got a diamond over her left eye, a crazy outfit, and she has mind control powers, as well as the ability to fire concussive blasts from her hands. She almost looks like... She'd be a villain in, like, Gem and the Holograms or something. She she looks like this big-haired rocker, almost, from, the, from like, the late 80s. Yeah, she looks like she's into hairbands. <laughs> like a, like a, a goth hairband. <laughs> <laughs> and we also have Doppelganger, as we talked about already. Uh, his first appearance was the Infinity War number 1, July 1992. And basically, he was created by the Magus, along with other monster versions of Marvel superheroes. And uh, I was looking at, you know, Marvel Wiki has, like, the statistics for each character. And mm. on a scale of 1 to 7, his intelligence is listed as 1. So he's, you know, oh. not not really, uh, not the thinking man's doppelganger. <laughs> Who is the thinking man's doppelganger? <laughs> uh, X-23. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but basically, doppelganger looks like Spider-Man, as we talked about, has the six arms, claws, and sharp teeth. And now also we get Demogoblin and Carrion. This is like during a time in the, you know, mid-90s, everything was going extreme. You know, Venom wasn't extreme enough, so we have Carnage. Green Goblin wasn't extreme enough, so we have Hobgoblin. And he wasn't extreme enough, so we have Demogoblin. And it's just like, things were just getting crazier and crazier. Mm. It's pretty funny. And and so th those two guys show up in the game as well. They really liked the whole Goblin thing, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Like, it wasn't just, you know, Green Goblin, Hobgoblin. Yeah, Demo Goblin, and he's that carry-on guy. It looks like a goblin. Everyone was like a goblin, I think, for a while. <laughs> like, Spidey was fighting a lot of goblin-y type of people. Uh, the Jackal looked like a yeah. goblin. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> I mean, that's funny. you know, it, it was a weird time for Spider-Man. Just goblins. It was to the point when Peter Parker was in the supermarket, and he saw little pumpkins. He was like, ah! <laughs> He's like, we're not doing Halloween this year. Or Thanksgiving. I, just, I, just can't, I can't deal with it. Alright, so let's get right into this video game. The start menu features that loop of Carnage rules as we talked about. And just like all the songs used in the game, it's digitized, not the original recordings. Just the limitations. Uh, so basically, stage one is the New York Street. 
So you start as Spider-Man, you just run around beating up guys in trench coats, and there's teens in sunglasses and backwards caps. And uh, it was kind of cool. You could pick up trash cans, you could pick up dumpsters, um, you could actually pick up villains, you know, some of these guys. Mm. And I loved, uh, I'm not sure the Genesis controls, but on the on the Super NES, you could press two buttons, and Spider-Man would hold up the guy with one arm and spin them with the other hand. Did you ever do that? No, I did not do that. But I did a lot of um, webbing up to the top of the screen because you could web around a place, right? Yes. Uh, and you could also use the impact webbing to tie guys up. So I, I either, if I just wanted to bail, just web up and stay up in the air until one of the guys learned how to do a jump kick and knock you down. That's right, yes. And uh, that that was kind of cool. You, you Like you said, you could kind of like lasso guys in and pull them towards you or mm. you could bind them up with the webbing. And then I think... The button that you used to lasso guys, if you pressed and held it, he would create a, a shield out of webbing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was your block. Yeah. As long as you um, did it correctly, because he'd have to do the animation of uh, webbing something and then just hold against himself. Yeah. It was all, the web shield was just web kind of like spiraled around and around. Mm. It's pretty, pretty clever. And then also jump and kick at the same time would do a scissor kick, which was very effective, but it took a little piece of your life away. Hmm. Venom had something similar where he held out his two fists and just spun around. That's a pretty good move. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of like from the Ninja Turtles. The Ninja Turtles uh, games had those as well. Jump and attack would do a special move, but it cost you a little bit of your life to use it. Yeah. It's like, yeah, apparently my life goes down when I do a cool move. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, my life would probably go down if I attempted a scissor kick. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, the uh, the bosses of this level are actually... Two girls in berets that whip you with their ponytails. <laughs> Very strange. I was about to make a reference to that, uh, that song, but I'm not going to do that. No, thank you. I was thinking the same thing, though. <laughs> it's, but, just, uh, it's just one of those things that kind of pop into your head. And you're like, oh my god. You know, this, someone's already made a song about that as well. But yeah, yeah. I remember getting um, clobbered by those women, especially if they got on either side of you. Yes. You know, like, you know, because you're still, I don't know, like, this is before you had, like, you know, those th cool 3D games where you're able to dodge. If you got knocked back, you'd get knocked back into one of them, and then you'd stand up, get knocked back into the other one. You know, it'd basically be tennis between two characters beating the crap out of you. Yep. It was tough, but the, as I watched in the playthrough, uh, the best way to handle it would be to use the web and to go up in the air, and then go down right between the two of them, and do a double smash or a double hit, whatever it was called, where if you were situated perfectly between two villains and mm. did the uh, the web, you know, the lasso, you actually mm. did it from both sides and smashed the two of them together overhead, and it oh, instantly yeah. killed them. Yeah, I remember that one. One time when, uh, when I had this game, my friends came over and played it, and we always kind of struggled at the boss battles, and my friend did that double smash out of nowhere, and we were like, what just happened? We couldn't believe it. It was the it was the best discovery we ever made. Yeah, I figured out how to do it, but it was just annoying enough. I kept on trying to do it all the time, so it's like, uh, you'd try and always align. Like, you keep getting punched, right? Like, you weren't thinking, like, I could just, you know, blend it into a normal... Uh, fight, but instead you kind of go, wait, wait, I gotta, I gotta line it up. Hold on, I gotta, I gotta line it up. Hold on, and you're getting punched on each side, and it's like, wait, don't, don't punch me, don't punch me. Hang on, hang, on. and it's like that. You, you keep walking on the screen, trying to get the perfect lineup. Yep. At the same time, you're slowly losing health because you're getting beaten up. Yeah, it just, it kind of, when it happened, it, it was great. It almost happened by accident most of the time. Mm. And if you were really good at the game, you could plan it out. But otherwise, no, it wasn't gonna happen. <laughs> 
So from here we go to the climb. And this was kind of a neat level. It, it utilized your spidey sense. You were climbing up a, a wall on the side of a building, and you see those, those tingling lines around his head, meaning that you were to get out of the way of one of Shriek's bolts, which was coming down at you. And when your spidey sense was activated, a little arrow was superimposed on the screen to tell you where to swing next. That was cool because, like, the variety of levels. Like, you went from a street brawler to actually climbing. So you actually get to do, well, what Spider-Man does, basically. Just wall crawl. And they had an entire level dedicated to it. But it was so annoying because you had to, I think, in one of the later ups, uh, levels, you had to go back to wall crawling. Uh, and you had, I think, Doppelganger popping up. Yeah, he was in this Goblin. as well. Yeah, and he keeps coming down to beat the crap out of you. I think you could throw a leg out and kick him and mm. knock him down. But, uh, yeah, very annoying. Especially if you made it almost to the top and you got hit, you fall all the way down, lose a ton of life. God. <laughs> so from there, you crawl up to the top, and then the next stage is called the rooftop, and you face Shriek and Doppelganger. And the best way to beat this was that the giant water tank was actually an item that you could pick up. So you kind of go up to it, pick it up, drop it on Doppelganger, it kills him instantly, and no matter really what you did in this level, you were going to get knocked off the side of the building by Shriek. Mm. It's kind of just how it plays out. So they do that to you. And you end up in the alleyway, the next stage, and it's just more, you know, side-scrolling, beat-em-up stuff. And the boss of this level are two fat guys with clubs. <laughs> they are the greatest enemy of all. <laughs> again, not. I think they, they're pretty bad as an enemy, but um, again, the guy with the umbrella just kills me. They come much later. Much I know, later. I just hate that guy. <laughs> it's it, it, They are tough. They're very tough. Mm. And that's kind of the complaint that a lot of people had about this game. It didn't get the best reviews by some people just because they felt as though it was uh, kind of tough to get through these these levels. Yeah, it was a bit of a headache um, dealing with that kind of stuff. Especially as a kid. Like, you know, your tolerance for this kind of stuff was, like, not very high. You know? Oh, it's, no. it's, it, it's, it's like you played so long and then you're like well i'm going to yell at the screen now which which i've, which I've done many times i think i learned how to swear and i think during my video game period i learned how to swear in so many different ways uh, and got very creative with it you know which my mother didn't enjoy um <laughs> i remember a lot of like my mother yelling at me from the other room going well if you if you can't was it if you can't be nicely don't play it at all <laughs> something like that or you know I'll come down there and turn it off yeah yeah there's a lot of yelling but that's the thing it's just, it's it was one of those games built so I guess you had to feel like you had to keep playing it to actually try and you know get your money's worth from it so I was like well I paid this much for it I guess I better keep playing because I didn't actually own the game I had it borrowed from uh, uh, the video store it, it was like most like oh man I paid $15 to borrow this game I guess I Better keep playing it before I run out of time, <laughs> before I have to bring it back. And also watch Three Ninjas again. Because, again, you have those kind of deals where it's like, if you get a video game, you can get a videotape at the same time at Video Busters. <laughs> uh, yeah, so with me, I did own it, so it's most like I could just get angry at it. And, you know, because there was that kind of relief of going, well, I don't own the game, so I didn't waste money on it, but I did waste money renting it. And I have rented it many times, I think up to the value of buying it. <laughs> Maybe more, so you know. I think I'll suck it in like that. But that's the thing. It's like you can you you play it and then you just kind of give up for a while and then you kind of ruminate over it and then you go back to it. 
You know, it's like, mm-hmm. well, I didn't beat this level, but if I did this and this and this, and you theorize, and then you come back to the game and you play it, you know, you get angry. Yeah, and it's not the type of game, you know, that you could save your progress. So if you made it only so far and died, you got to go all the way back from the beginning again. Yeah, it's it's pretty punishing like that. So anyway, after you beat these these fat guys with clubs, uh, you are now in the next stage called the Hall, and it's kind of inside of this church with stained glass, and Spider-Man once again fights Shriek and Doppelganger. But after you defeat them, now you face Carnage. And this was our kind of our first look at him. And there's really no controls that you know you could do at this time. He knocks you down, and then the character Dagger from Cloak and Dagger, she comes down to, you know, help you, and Carnage like uh he can turn his hands into like axes and like sharp <laughs> instruments i guess and mm. he swings at her and knocks her down killing her or presumably killing her and uh, that actually falls in line with the storyline from the comics there is a scene where carnage presumably kills her we find out later that she ended up being okay she kind of snuck away into cloaks i don't know pocket dimension or whatever he's able to control but uh for the time being they thought she was dead. So at the end of this scene, we get a cutscene of Cloak, you know, yelling skyward, Tandy, grieving over the uh, the death of his partner. Mm. My friends and I, of course, always yelled, Candy, and we were making fun of him <laughs> as if he dropped his candy. I, I think anyone would be angry if that happened. <laughs> we were 12, you know, what can I say? He, he, he changed the words to candy. So <laughs> I did. That's the other thing about those two characters. And this is the thing with comic book writing. Um, I haven't. The Cloak and Dagger, really? Because they couldn't actually think of any other creative name, maybe. I, know. I guess because they already used a lot of dark too much, maybe. Yeah. Dark and light. Yeah, Cloak is a <laughs> refreshing change from dark and night. So. Yeah. But that's like cloak, and, cloak and dagger. It's like it's already assumed <laughs> that you know, oh, these guys are mysterious characters, and they have a mysterious, interesting name. Or oh, I assume, because that's the thing. Like when you hear the name, it's like oh, cloak and dagger. We already know what that means. But that's the thing when you see the characters. Like you guys really aren't the personification of that term. You know, you're a guy right. who has a hu- huge cloak. You're literally a guy who has a cloak that does. Was it? It's dimensional tra- teleports. I believe so. Yeah, which every time I read him in the comic books, he always assumed, I assumed he was basically like public transport for superheroes. You know, just cheap alternative transport. It's like, quick, we need to get somewhere. Okay. All right, Cloak, transport's there. I'm not taking the the fantastic car or, you know, a spaceship or some sort of vehicle. I'm just going to go in and use you as my teleport. So take me somewhere else. That's pretty much what he was. I mean, yeah, their, their powers were basically light and dark, you know? Yeah. But, uh, but their names like they ha- were... They have, they have to be together all the time? Well, yeah. Because if you saw them separately, it's like, I'm Cloak. It's like, yes, we can tell. You have a cloak. It's like, yeah, but that's my name. Do you fight? Not really into the fighting. Just, you know, cloak stuff. Make things disappear. So you're like a magician. <laughs> Maybe. And then you have Dagger, who's basically... That seems like a cool name on, on its own. Dagger. It's like, wow, you're called Dagger? That's a nice name. Your outfit is ridiculously white and skin tight. How do you keep it clean? <laughs> yeah that's true she that. she can hold up on her own I, I was gonna say maybe if you had like uh, two heroes named bacon and eggs they kind of have to fight with one another you know they, <laughs> or be a they team have, they have to be a team because otherwise yeah. you know a guy named bacon or somebody named eggs but uh, it could just i guess be it doesn't anyway <laughs> it could just be kevin bacon it's kevin bacon and his friend called david eggs 
<laughs> it's it's, it's a, like comic yeah. to write. That's literally the only alternative I can say. It's like, wow, Kevin Bacon, you've done so many movies and you're multi-talented. And wow, you have still got your looks. Well done. And who's your friend? This is David Eggs. What do you do? <laughs> I drive him around. That's literally it. That, that's I my only. The Ford. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he's the guy who does all the kind of you know interpersonal stuff and you know fixes up their lease and things like that. Yeah, that's that's my only only alternative to this, these two characters, cloak and dagger. One guy, one guy is the transport. The other guy is the one you want to see. He does does all the work. Very much like cloak and dagger. It's it's so far removed, but yeah, that's what they assumed. Every time every time I saw um cloak in the comic books, it's like. He, his cloak is pretty garish, I gotta say. Yes. It's like, a, is it purple or bluish colored? I, I don't know, depending on who was drawing it. It just looked like he was all in black. You saw his face, and that was it. Yeah, I know. He Well, he did have a body. He he did look like, kind of look like a disembodied head in this shroud of darkness. But uh, yeah, yeah it, it's kind of like, you know, in the comics when something is, is black, but it's drawn in blue and black. Mm, the bluey black look, like Batman was. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But then when the uh, the action figure came out, I think Toys R Us here put out a, an action figure of Cloak and Dagger, and uh, Cloak's cloak was blue and black striped. Yeah, because I remember the striped look, but it makes it look like kind of like it's very big corduroy. Yeah, really. <laughs> so now we get to a very interesting part of the game. Now, now we finally get to select which hero we want, Spider-Man or Venom. Now, if you select Venom, you go to the streets of San Francisco, uh, it, what was interesting here is there was an ATM that kind of show, showed up on the side of a bank, and if you went up to it and you did your special move where you spun around, it brought you to a secret room. And there was a lot of secret rooms in this game where you could pick up extra lives, continue tokens, uh, superhero pickups, there's all kinds of goodies in there, and those showed up, you know, in various places around the game, so that was one of them. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing about these games, I remembered. There were so many things, like, this is before the internet, there were so many hidden secret tips and tricks within the game. Yeah. And as long as you knew someone who knew them, you were able to get them. But then years down the track, like, that's the thing when I was doing the research for this game, going back on it, there are a bunch of places which I completely missed, or I didn't pay attention to it. But, like, apparently the in one cutscene, you could hit a button and something different would happen. But, like, there are, like, hidden little secret areas and methods yeah, I mean, you just kind of, like, have to do the move at the right spot. You know, mm. wonder, what what did I do that just brought me here? And hopefully mm. uh, you you knew what you did and were able to jot it down. Mm. But, like, a lot of things, uh, I think it was this specific moment in the streets of San Francisco where Venom spins around in front of the ATM. That was specifically in a video game magazine that my friend found. And that was pretty much the only way you could get these, these uh, you know, cheats and tricks and tips and codes passwords it was all from these magazines and that was the only way of getting them oh uh, did you ever have that um the tips and trick hotline yeah i mean that was available but i i never called that because that was like 99 cents a minute or something i did did you <laughs> it, but it was during the um later years like the i think playstation years i'm trying to remember what i was playing i was playing a game and because i called them a couple of times to get secret cheat codes and things like that. And that's the thing. It's like, you, if you called these guys once, had a pen and paper, asked for the cheat code, that was it. You know, it's like, you don't mm-hmm. need to call them again. You know, it's like, I've already got the cheat code here. Your job is now useless to me. Thank you for your time. Because <laughs> I remember, I think it was like, I was calling for, I think another Spider-Man game, actually. The Spider-Man PlayStation game. Working oh, yeah. out certain things. Uh, and yeah, this is again, before the internet and before I could find a gaming magazine which actually had the relative information for me. 
uh, yeah, I mean, I remember calling these uh, hotlines. Mm. <laughs> so yeah, basically, uh, our our methods were very limited, and sometimes mm. it just the right button combination at the right time was the only thing you could rely on. You know, hopefully it'll happen this time when I play. And so yeah, there's a bunch of hidden rooms situated throughout this game. Uh, if you played as Venom, you go to the streets of San Francisco. But now, if you chose Spider-Man, I believe this is where you go to the chase. And this is where you chase uh, Demogoblin, or Demogoblin, through, uh, you know, like, uh, the side of a building. You kind of swing after him, and you try to get a kick at him or something. You kick him off of his flaming scooter or whatever he's flying around on. Mm. And uh, from there, it brings you to another level called Times Square. And this is where you actually face off against him. Now, from here, if you select Venom, I believe you go to Central Park, and this was, a, you know, another fight. Now, after that, you can once again select Spider-Man or Venom, and this was kind of a, a neat thing, is that the paths throughout the game were divergent at a couple of points. So you could play through a few different times and, and get different results. So from here, uh, I don't think it matters who you select, it brings you to the next stage, which is New York Streets 2. Uh, this is just more fighting on the streets of New York. And here, this is uh, Hamish's Waterloo. This is where the, the bosses are the two bald men with umbrellas. And, uh, yeah. you know, really uh, thrusting and parrying and using all those fencing moves. And, yeah, it's uh, it was always a pain to fight those guys. Just uh, ridiculous. I just couldn't understand it. Like, that's the thing that's like... You want you want a a boss to take you down. Like if you're fighting Kind, you're like, oh, Kind, you beat me. Fair enough. But when it's just two bold guys and umbrellas, it's like <laughs> you think you think like beforehand the first level. I fought two women who knew like kung fu and jujitsu. I'm assuming, and then you come to this after fighting like other villains. You get to this point where it's just guys who just umbrellas, just umbrellas, just wh- <laughs> how I could break an umbrella. And not penguin umbrellas, by the way. This is nothing, no. like, special. This is just uh, regular umbrellas. Guys with glasses, too. Yeah. They were the visually like... impaired. <laughs> What's the thing? It's like these, these two guys with umbrellas. And I think in any other levels, you have guys with knives and trash cans. Yep. But, like, you come up to these guys and they just have umbrellas, which Spider-Man could easily break if he just took it away from them and snapped it in two and then beat the living crap out of these guys. <laughs> But that's the thing. It's just, it, I don't know why. For some reason, every time I got to this point, I was down to like maybe one life left and you know half health. And then I was like, these guys really just took it out of me. Very, very frustrating. And as I watched in that speed playthrough on YouTube, uh, he the guy did the same thing. Made sure that they were on either side. Jumped down. Did the double hit. And that was it. Hmm. Wish I could do that. But a double hit in real life? No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> because that would be a really great thing if we could all do it in real life. Like, you know. Just, you get angry at somebody, or maybe two people at the same time. It's like, well, whip. It would have to be two people at the same time. <laughs> It'd have to be two people. You can't be angry at one person. You have to be angry at two people. Yeah, so if, some, if one person is giving you a hard time, you have to agitate a second person and tell them to go on the <laughs> other side of you. It, it just really wouldn't work. <laughs> so it's like, here's, here's a friend of mine from work who's really annoying me because he keeps coming to work late, but still gets paid the same amount. But here's a guy drinking coffee. I'll just knock that into his lap. Now he's angry at me. Now I have the perfect combination. <laughs> and if they're both on one side of you, no, no. no this no, isn't no, going to work. <laughs> no, no, no. Greg, you go this side. I know you're angry at me, but go this side. And guy I just met, don't don't go to the bathroom. Just stay right there. Stand still. Yes, the coffee is burning you, but stay there. 
Greg, are you ready? No, I'm not going to tell you what I'm going to do, but just stand there. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so anyway, once uh, Spider-Man or Venom defeats these uh, bald men with umbrellas, we go to the deep. Do you remember the deep level? Oh, uh, is that a subway level? No, it's it's a nightclub. Oh, I've been, again, this is what a part where I kept getting killed, so I might have been there once or twice. You fight your way through the lobby, there's, you know, chairs in the background and everything, and you fight your way over to the dance floor where there's, you know, flashing lights and it's, you know, dark, and uh, this is where you're confronted by Demogoblin, Doppelganger, and Shriek once again. You know, it's in like a these... In a nightclub. In a nightclub now, for some reason. Yeah, it was very unique that these villains didn't show up just at the very end. They were there all the time. Especially Carnage, too. you think they would save him for the very end, but no, you see him uh, every so often throughout the game. Yeah, you gotta get your money's worth. <laughs> I guess, they give it to you. And uh, next, following the narrative of the actual comic book storyline, we next go to Fantastic Four headquarters, because remember, they had to steal Reed Richards' sonic gun to uh, defeat Carnage. And not say, please, can we borrow it? Just like, we have to steal it from you. Yeah, exactly. I don't think he's going <laughs> to allow people to borrow things from him in the future. It's like, you know, when he comes back and it's like, guys, did you borrow my Sonic gun? Yes, we did. Why did you break through my <laughs> like window, smash my security robots? Also, why did you take like $4 from Petty Cash and then take my gun? It's like, well, we needed the Petty Cash. Also, <laughs> we needed the Sonic gun, but mostly the Petty Cash. Because <laughs> like I think I'm... webbing all over it. Yeah, just waving all over it. You know, they've checked out his VHSs and like, why, why would he, why does he have two men and a baby? Three men and a baby, wasn't it? <laughs> three, three. Three men. Everything was threes. Three ninjas, three men and a baby. <laughs> Rocky three. Rocky three. <laughs> was it the one with a robot in it as well? Don't think so. <laughs> I'm trying to remember which one, but it has nothing to do with what we're talking about. No, no, except for robots. This is the this is the level where we get the robots. Uh, the level starts with Spider-Man talking to Venom, you know, in word bubble form, of course. Spider-Man mm. says, we need that sonic gun. And Venom replies, we'd better split up. So depending on who you selected, <laughs> they, they run two different ways and you become whatever guy you picked. And so you fight these security robots. Their names are Chun, C-H-U-N. Mark 1, Mark 2, Mark 3, and they are so annoying. They're, they're these round orb-shaped droids that float through the air, and they have one laser cannon in the front. They're like little mini Death Stars almost. Mm. And uh, that's another thing we forgot to mention, is as you are fighting these various characters, their names appear at the top of the screen with a little health bar. He's named all the robots. Well, the, the robots are like Chun Mark 1, Chun Mark 2, Chun Mark 3. But as mm. you're fighting in the game, it's like... Robbie, Dana, you know, and uh, my friends and I, we were always like looking for our own names. Every one of my friends were on the game except for me. There was no Scott. Well, but the lucky, for, lucky for you, there's no Hamish in there. So, <laughs> you know. But I wanted my name in there. No These Scott. are all guys that are beating up, by the way. I know. We <laughs> thought it was cool at the time. <laughs> Man, I want to see some guy with my name and I can beat the living heck out of him. That's right. But anyway, so once you fight your way through there, you make it to the Fantastic Four lab, and this stage is a fight against Muzoid. He's a uh, security robot that Reed Richards invented, presumably, and he really almost looks like Vector Man. Do you remember Vector Man for Sega? Kind of a character made out of just spheres. A while ago. I can't recall. I don't think I played that one enough. That's kind of like what this guy looks like. He's a robot and very, very difficult. Uh, from what I've read online and what I've looked at, people had a very, very difficult time. And uh, 
the best way to defeat him is kind of just web swing up to the wall and jump down, kick, and then go back up. Like, just once in a while, go down. And he was one of these villains that had a green bar for health. And oh, once you hit God. him enough, it would turn red, and then you could see your progress against him. Oh, my just God. That was the worst. Terrible. It was just every time you, you, you thought, like... Like, you, you fight any other character with a red bar, and it's like, as soon as you're seeing green bar, you're like, oh, God, this is going to take me forever. It's, <laughs> yep. it's like that, that warning sign for, like, yeah, this is this is really going to be hard for you, the green yep. bar. Ugh. And he was terrible. Very, very hard to beat. And uh, once you did, though, uh, the other character, you know, whether you were Spider-Man or Venom, shows up with the sonic gun and says, we found the gun. And you reply, let's go find Carnage. I killed a bunch of robots. <laughs> there's a lot of rubbish around here guys yes there is but that's the thing like reed richards comes back to a lab filled with like junk and these robots have been destroyed it's like <laughs> he built this for a specific purpose like you know he has security droids out there for a specific purpose knowing that he will be robbed at some point you know then like after they defeat carnage they come back to him like uh, here's your gun back and he's like guys we need to talk I have a security protocol in my entire building because I have secret lab stuff. Why do you think I have robots there? Now I have to make all these robots again. <laughs> and you're supposed to be my friends. Yeah, yeah, these are his allies and closest friends. Yeah. Yeah. So now they bring you back to the rooftop of a different building. This level's called Rooftop 2. And once again, another boss fight. This time it's against Demogoblin, Doppelganger, Shriek, and Carrion. And once you defeat all of them, Carnage shows up at the end. And, uh, you know, like, a, one of the best ways of defeating these guys in this level is to get them all the way to the edge and just kind of, like, punch them off. <laughs> you know, that was, like, the, mm. the cheap way of, of beating them. Yeah, I, I remember that, that cheap way of beating people. I think it was one of those, uh, was it? It's a train level. In the train levels, uh, I think I was playing maybe Sunset Riders. And as the train goes along, if you get guys to the edge and then shoot them off, yeah. Anything involving, like, you have, like, some edge. Like, if you can fall off the edge, that means the other characters can. And if you have a grapple or grab button, yeah, just keep throwing guys off sides of <laughs> sides of lifts and things like that. Because you just don't want to deal with them. Now, from here, you go to Prospect Park. And this is just more beat-em-up stuff. But uh, this time, it's inside of a walled park. So, at least they give you different backgrounds, you know. Uh, the boss battle here was a little more complicated. It was kind of like... Uh, just kind of a review of your boss battles already previous to this. Uh, first, they give you the two girls with ponytails, then the two fat guys with clubs, then two bald guys with umbrellas, then they give you four guys in red trench coats with guns. I think this is the only time we see real guns in the game. Mm. And, uh, once you beat up them, Prospect Park 2. And so you're back in the park, and now you square off against Doppelganger and Shriek. Once you defeat them... Demo Goblin and Carrion. So, you know, more more boss battles against the main villains. So good. <laughs> it's a little repetitive <laughs> at this point. It, 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 it's kind of, yeah, they were kind of padding the game out with artificial gameplay. Or artificial story, I guess you'd say. Yeah, really. Where it's just like, um, God, we can't get them to finish the game this quickly. Let's just throw everything we got at them. Every one of our sprites. <laughs> Well, and talk about padding. From here, you select your hero once again. So if you're Venom, say, uh, you select him, he runs off the side of the screen to the next level, and it shows you a cutscene. It says, meanwhile, on a Manhattan rooftop, and you see Spider-Man getting beat up by Shriek and Doppelganger. And then mm. it says, meanwhile, on a Manhattan street, and there's Spider-Man getting beat up again. <laughs> so it's just like, you know, showing you that, uh, you know, he's in trouble. 
So then you go to Manhattan Street 2, and it's kind of just taking place in this rundown intersection. And, you know, you, fi- you face off against Shriek and Doppelganger again, then Demogoblin and Carrion again. But this time, Carnage shows up at the end, finally. So you defeat him here. And this is kind of interesting. It says, the end, dot, dot, dot. And so now you get uh, a look in the park. Spider-Man's on one side of the screen. Venom's on the other side. Uh, there, it's like Central Park. There's like a little body of water in the background. And Spider-Man says, Venom, what happened? And Venom says, Carnage was ours and you stole him from us. <clears throat> and then you get music and the credits roll. That's the end of the game. Uh. It's kind of weird. It was a really crappy ending. So, you know, you're watching it and you're going, well, that was it? And all of a sudden, the credits stop. They swipe off the screen and you hear a laugh. And Carnage shows up out of the body of water in the background. And now you have to fight him. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, that was a pretty unique uh, twist. Little credits fake out. Because the game really wasn't that satisfying of an ending. No. But, you know, they were like, uh, we still got a little bit more here. (laughs) And so, uh, yeah, now you have to fight him. And now this is the point of the game where you have the ability to switch between Spider-Man and Venom. So you fight him in the park. And you defeat him, and that isn't the end. You next go to what they call the Ruined Boys Home, which is just a terrible name for an orphanage, or... It does, doesn't sound great. Or whatever it is. I don't think... Wait, wait, was it... Is this just a boys' home which got ruined, or is it actually called Welcome to the Ruined Boys' Home? You know, it is abandoned with broken glass and, and all that yeah. kind of stuff, so I would hope... That it's a boy's home that was ruined. <laughs> yeah, because I, th- I I don't think it would, it'd sell too well calling it the ruined boy's home because that just has the connotations of saying, here are a bunch of people who are, I guess, emotionally scarred, maybe? Their lives are ruined. These ruined boys. Pretty much. And I think this has to do with Cletus Cassidy's background. So I think this is why we end up here. Mm. So it could have any any meaning. But uh, once again, you fight him in a final boss battle. This is it. You're fighting him in front of this, you know, this stone building. And you have the ability to switch between Spider-Man and Venom. And uh, he now has that green bar for his health. So it's, it takes a while uh. to beat him here. <laughs> it was a little too easy previous to this. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because the entire game was easy before this. <laughs> well, that's why you have to really hold on to those uh, superhero tokens and the continues. Because... You really don't want to play through the whole game to get back to this point. But I really want to use those tokens because the sprite animations were really cool. They were really cool. There was a Captain America one where he throws the shield at every villain on the screen. Uh, Firestar fires her beam. There was a Deathlock who just drops down and just fires a gun out of each hand Hmm. (laughs) to either side of the screen. (laughs) Not really at anybody, just kind of like this way, that way, or I'm done, and he gets up. Yeah, you don't even see if he hits anybody, but the villains all fall, so... Morbius comes down and kind of, like, scratches at people. And uh, what was the other good one? Cloak was the best, because he dropped down, he opened his cloak and turned everything black except for your character. And when he disappeared, all the villains disappeared with him. Yeah, he had filled his entire screen. Yeah. It was very clever. I I enjoyed those uh, superhero cameos they put in here. So, I have a little problem with the ending of the game. <laughs> so, we, we go to our final scene. These are our cutscenes now. At the end, you've just defeated Carnage, and it says, The Avengers finally arrive in a Quinjet to take Carnage away. <laughs> oh, thanks! So, the, the, the Avengers that we see here are Vision, 
Cersei, and Thunderstrike. There's Thunderstrike, our Thor <laughs> ripoff and a brown leather jacket. Brown coat, yeah. And I, I was wondering, like, where's Captain America? But then I remembered he's one of our superhero tokens that we could have used. So he's hanging around, I guess. Guess. So Spider-Man says, be careful with this Joker. And Vision said, we have been warned of Cassidy's ability to regenerate his costume. We came equipped with a stasis container. Oh, okay. Cool. So you knew how to hold on to this guy and <laughs> defeat him. Black Cat says, You know, Spidey, even though he's in Avengers custody, I don't think I'll ever truly feel safe from Carnage. Monsters like that have a way of returning. And Spider-Man replies, You need to have faith, pretty lady. <laughs> That's word for word, right? <laughs> it's a word for word. Sorry, it's just, it just seems like he's very casual after going through waves and waves of people and then, you know, fighting a maniacal psychopath and then goes, You gotta have faith, buddy! <laughs> it's all good! Chin up, pretty lady. Yeah, I mean, it, it's cool that Spidey's kind of jocular, but at the same time, could have just shut up there, man. Just, just be quiet. Or just agree, be because yeah, she's just, telling the truth. Yeah, just be stoic and, and agree. Go, yeah, you're right. Don't, don't try and cheat this. <laughs> so it ends with Spider-Man kind of walking off in the you know to the horizon, and next to him, I think we have two tombstones. It's kind of hard to tell because they're in silhouette. Uh, it almost almost looks like the Springfield nuclear power plant in the background, but I think that they're two tombstones. Mm. <laughs> so Spider-Man says, "Some monsters stay locked up forever, and their ghosts can't haunt you unless you let them." I hope. Okay. And then at the bottom it says, The end of Maximum Carnage. Or is it? Yes. It is. It is in a sense, but <coughs> but Separation Anxiety came out, which is the sequel to this. Which had much better reviews, by the way. Yeah, but the game is ended, so this is the end. Yes. That's the thing I, I never understood. Is like everyone trying to put the whole little tagline of like, to be continued, maybe? Or like, you know, this is the end, maybe? Yeah. It's like, you know, we, we know you want a sequel, but could you just not do that? <laughs> just, it's the end of the game. We, we tried so hard. <laughs> it's the end. Please just say it's the end. I need to, need to relax now. And they put that, you know, question mark there as if, if you wait long enough through the credits, maybe something's going to happen. Yeah, they already faked you up before. Right. So, maybe? No. No, not at all. <laughs> but again, that's that's what it is like now with like the the Marvel trend of just having you know this is the end of the movie. What Nick Fury? He's turned up. What's he doing here? <laughs> or it's like it's the end of the movie. Here's some stuff for the next movie. It's like when's when when are we just gonna just end it? Just end. I mean for the for the movies that's actually not too bad. It keeps people hanging around. Yeah. But I will be sad when the the age of Marvel movies comes to an end. I know. And it's gonna... The Avengers is culminating with that Infinity War, so hopefully uh, we do get a doppelganger cameo. That's what we're crying out for, is it? <laughs> I would... I'd, I'd like a Fantastic Four, which actually is interesting. How about that? Apparently, apparently can't have that. Nobody likes a reboot. Well, as Spider-Man says, you need to have faith. Yeah, he has, <laughs> he has faith that Sony did the right thing and, you know, went like, hey, Marvel, we don't know what to do with Spider-Man. Here you go. I literally have never gotten to that ending of the Maximum Carnage game. No, I know, well, here, here's my story. Basically, you know, as I mentioned, my my friends would sleep over, 
and we would play the game. And this was a game that I was just never able to beat, never, ever able to beat. And, uh, my friends brought it home. They, you know, they said, can I borrow it? And yeah, okay. And (laughs) they brought it back and said, oh yeah, we beat it. I'm like, you beat the game. What happens? What happens? So finally, years later, I mean, you know, I'm in my twenties and one of my friends came over the house and we were talking about the game and he's like, oh yeah, you never saw the end of that game. Did you? I said, no. And so we put it in and in about an hour, hour and a half, he uh, finally did beat the game and and I was able to see it on my own screen. And uh, (laughs) yeah, so that was the only way I saw the end of the game, but it, it was, it was difficult. It was difficult. Oh yeah, I mean most of those games uh, back then were really difficult. Again, I, I it's strange because like, you compare the old, old games to new games. The old games, at least when you play them and then you got beaten, it didn't take too long. Like with newer games, there's save points. You can actually you know quest for like hours. You can actually get deep into a game. You can do all these other crazy things. But with those kind of uh, beat 'em up games for like SNES, NES, Super Nintendo. <laughs> It's, it feels, if it, yeah, it feels weird saying Super NES when it's like I've already said one word. Just say the rest of the words, or just say the letters. I don't know. That's but, true. But yeah, it it was interesting because I remember playing it and like I still had a whole afternoon, especially when I got my butt handed to me multiple times. I was like, ah, I'm angry. I can't keep playing this anymore. I'm going to go outside. You know, it's like that. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, oh, I've been here for like maybe two hours. That's my entire session because I've tried, or it's like an hour and a half. And then you either play a different game, which, yeah, it keeps you in the house, but then you either just give up. But, yeah, I remember playing it, and I remember it easily fitting into my young lifestyle. Let's call it like that. Young lifestyle of playing video <laughs> games, being a bit of a gamer, but then still going outside to run around and play on a BMX and, you know, get myself injured. Um, <laughs> and see my friends. And plus, yeah, you could just take the game with you if you had a friend who had a, you know, Super Nintendo at his house. Mm-hmm. Which you know most of my friends did, and so you know end up trading games. But yeah, that's I I think for a game that was that hard, uh, you do get kind of rewarded at the end there for like you know a, a fake out ending and then a real ending. But yeah, uh, yeah I mean like I I never got to that point of becoming an elite pro gamer of the beat 'em ups. And and you know this was a this was a great beat 'em up style game, kind of in line with Double Dragon and Battletoads, you know, those games that came previous to it. And this really came out around a time when these were kind of on the decline and you were seeing more of the those one-on-one fighting games start to take prominence. Street Fighter, I think, had already been out. Street Fighter 2. And uh, soon after, maybe five years after this game came out, you started to see more of, you know, Marvel versus Capcom or Marvel superheroes versus Street Fighter and... You know, uh, X-Men versus Street Fighter was was a great game. And that's yeah. where you started to see more of those, um, you know, one-on-one style fighting games. Virtual Fighter uh, was probably around this time. In fact, even the, uh, the, the last page of the manual for the game is an ad for Mortal Kombat 2. Yeah. So it kind of shows you where these games were, were headed around that time. Yeah, but, I mean, it, it was an interesting time for beat-em-ups. I think also uh, at this time, I think, PC gaming was slowly taking more prominence as well. Like, you had the arcade games with the beat-em-ups, but then you had, yeah, the one-on-one fighting games. But yeah, I remember, I think, during this time, I was switching between the kind of console gaming and PC gaming, because I really got into point-and-click adventure gaming, Mm -hmm. PC puzzle gaming, stuff like that. You know, CD-ROM stuff, you know, because I remember borrowing a lot of CD-ROM games from my other favorite place to borrow games, 
the library. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, if I wanted to play some sort of soft action game, yeah, you go to the library and you pick up a game, like Myst. But, yeah, I I recall switching between those two things. And, yeah, it was like fighting games were, were really taking prominence. I mean, you know, I think we hadn't really locked down the idea of a story-driven game for a while uh, until you think... I would say when Halo turned up. When Halo turned up and you had that kind of storytelling in that kind of first-person format. But I also... For PC gaming, you had uh, the first-person shooters like Doom. And Doom was, again, pretty vague on, you know, story. Mm-hmm. Uh, where it's like, you know, it's you're on Mars. You have to destroy demons. and But I think the breakthrough for the PC for that era was uh, Half-Life. Mm-hmm. You know, when Half-Life rolled around and people went, wow, you can tell stories and with cool graphics and interesting characters on this system. So, yeah, the beat-em-ups like yeah, Maximum Carnage were pretty unique for the time that they had. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you could see an early form of that where they're trying to use what they have to tell the story. You know, it's like, let's condense this 14-issue storyline into this game with essentially, I don't know, say 45 to one hour worth of gameplay. And so you get that moment where Carnage takes out Dagger for no reason, but that falls in line with the cutscenes that you'll see. And that's all taken from the actual comics. So you can see an attempt to uh, formulate a narrative that matches up with the comics. Um, you'll also get that with movie games, obviously, because, you know, it follows that narrative. Like, I remember playing, like, the Batman Forever game and, you know, Batman Returns. So they all already, you already know where the story's going there. But uh, you could see the early versions of that storytelling in those type of games. Mm. I mean, yeah, with the Maximum Carnage series or something that's based off something popular. Yeah, you just kind of, you touch on the notes of the film or the comic book or the source material. Like, you don't need to really sit inside it and go like, oh, we need to make something new. Like any of those kind of movie games, like the Toy Story game for Super NES. Yeah, it looked pretty cool, but it it really, if if you based your entire knowledge of what Toy Story was off the game, you'd have no idea what's going on. You just think everything's out there to attack Woody. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, I, I, I enjoyed it a lot. I remember it being my you know, number one favorite uh, Spider-Man game. And that was until the PlayStation Spider-Man turned up, which was just mind-blowing because it was like, you've got voice acting, it's characters from I all know, and the graphics look really cool. That was, just, that was, I think, the other time you had Carnage pop up again after, I think, was it Separation Anxiety? Mm-hmm. We had Carnage appearing in, um, yeah, the, uh, the PlayStation one uh, Spider-Man game, which is really cool because they kind of blended in a whole bunch of stuff. The sequel to that game wasn't that great, though. To the PlayStation 1? Yeah, the, the PlayStation 1 Spider-Man, amazing Spider-Man game. Because like, I remember the first one coming out, and it was really cool because he had like Spider-Man and Venom. Obviously, he couldn't play as Venom, but um, yeah, the graphics and the storytelling was really cool, and he had Carnage turning up again, and you got to fight him for real this time in the underwater level. And then he, he loses a symbiote and then goes on to Doc Ock. And they created a new kind of symbiote Doc Ock thing. And like oh. the last level is basically uh, an escape yeah, an escape level where you're running away. Like It isn't about you having skills. It's about you being able to escape the monster. <laughs> Just like Halo did in the uh, end of their game, which is great. But yeah, I, I remember yeah, the, my favorite Spider-Man game being Spider-Man for PlayStation 1. Just because it was, it was so comic booky and so just... It wasn't, you know, based off a movie. It wasn't based off uh, a currently coming out comic book. It was its own thing. And it got it right. You know, it was just its own good story. And, you know, they came up with their own unique flavor. Yeah. I mean, it was overshadowed later on when you had, I think, 
Oh, was it Spider-Man 1 the game based off the movie? Spider-Man won the game. Spider-Man the movie game. <laughs> Sorry. I know what you mean. Yeah, I'm, I'm numbering it in my head. Like, the first Spider-Man movie is number one. That's what I'm doing in my head. And then you had the second Spider-Man movie, which was number one for a different guy, but it was the first version, but not in the Marvel Universe. And now we have a third Spider-Man. God. It's, it's been forever. But yeah, when the first when that <laughs> Spider-Man movie game came out, I thought that was pretty cool, too, because they kind of just copied the same model they did for the Spider-Man 1, Spider-Man 2 PlayStation games where, like, you know, you're webbing on completely nothing. But then, like, the ultimate one when they did Spider-Man 2, the movie game for PlayStation. No, PlayStation and Xbox. I think I got it for Xbox. This is around the time Xbox came out and mm-hmm. I got the movie Spider-Man game for Xbox and then the sequel to that, Spider-Man 2, the movie game. Yeah, that was the best one. They got that, like, the web swing. They finally worked out the mechanic of him, you know, connecting it to buildings and it was so cool. That was another one that kind of like, you know, made me really, really love Spider-Man for the time. And then they overused that mechanic later on. Yes, yes. But uh, yeah, that was a, a an amazing game. Yeah, it was so cool because they had like this huge map and you're playing a Spider-Man, obviously playing a Spider-Man. But you had uh, these little <laughs> extra little story bits that they created for this game because you, know, you already had the movie of, you already did Green Goblin, you already did um, uh, Doc Ock, and you had to kind of base it on the Doc Ock story from the second one, but also you had to fill in with a bunch of other characters, so I think there was a level of, was it, you had to fight Mysterio, and Mysterio had like, you know, these little secret areas around the city that you had to go into and battle him, and then you met these kind of evil mirror doppelgangers of yourself, of uh, Spider-Man you had to fight. But yeah, yeah, the number two was the, I think, if out of those Spider-Man games, was a really great game. Yeah, a lot of those got great reviews. Uh, unlike Maximum Carnage, which didn't get the best reviews. Now, you, you looked up some of them? Yeah, some of the reviews kind of range from being like, you know, uh, the the chief complaints, because I think you still find some reviews online, but because I don't think there's many people who have actually transferred Nintendo Power magazines and other old video game magazines online, but I found I think maybe two of them, one of them being a Nintendo Power magazine article that someone's scanned in, yeah, saying that, yeah, they loved the game. They thought right off the bat, you were really energized by what you saw, the motion comics panels, the gameplay, the sprite animation. That was great. And, like, the music was uh, a good intro to it. Even though this guy was writing it, said, like, oh, the music wasn't, you know, that great to me. I mean, it got repetitive after a while. And, you know, many of the characters <laughs> were, you know, because you're trying to save memory, were very much repeated. So, that, you know, it got quite dull after a while. But, you know, the story remains intact, and, you know, it was quite a bit of fun for, like, you know, a couple of hours of gameplay. Really hard, though. That's my impression of that guy, I'm assuming. <laughs> it is true. Like, what the things he mentions are, like, yeah, the game is a little bit repetitive. The music, yeah, is also repetitive. But what else can you put on there? You know, you have to save memory. Right. It was a noble attempt. I mean, at what they were trying to accomplish, they mm. were just a, a, a few years too early. You know, it's just uh, nowadays you could definitely tie, like if they wanted to make a full-fledged Civil War game mm. uh, and, and hire a band to create a soundtrack for it. I mean, they could really turn this into a big event, uh, mm. but they were just a, a few years too early where everything had to be digitized. The, the cutscenes had to be, you know, mostly static mm. panels that were really pixel, you know, pixelated and everything. And mm. uh, it just didn't come out the way they probably envisioned it anyway. Mm. Well, technically, they did do a Civil War game. Yeah, Ultimate Alliance. Yeah. Yeah, I love that game, too. Yeah, even then, you could see it's uh, probably a little bit better than uh, the Maximum Carnage application to a video game where you can get more of the cutscenes, more of the narrative, 
Uh, you can actually get real voice acting and and see uh, a- you know visually animated cutscenes between to further the story along you know and you can kind of mm. play those stages in between those cutscenes. Yeah, but as um, video games go these days, I mean, it is very retro for a game that came out in the '90s. This you know beat 'em up, but there seems to be this increased interest, we'll say, of retro gaming, like taking current technology now and recreating an old retro game. I know, it seems to be a new trend at the moment. I see so many Kickstarters where people are going, guys, I know how we all loved Frogger, and I want to <laughs> recreate the style of Frogger, but online, using the same sort of visuals as Frogger, but it's going to be online, so we can all play as a frog online. It's like, <laughs> like the, I, I, the half-life of that stuff, I think, is a week. That's all I got. It's cool that you want to make something which is retro and it's very indie stuff. It's very nice and very niche. But I feel like we're getting saturated with so many games which want to be like, it's a retro game. Where in fact, it's like, well, we're not in the retro era anymore. If you wanted to make a game like that, you could have gone back in time. Make a time machine. I don't know. <laughs> it, it just seems like we're so hooked on this whole idea of the retro style of games. And they make it you know, pretty well. Like There are a lot of retro stylized games which use the idea of um you know what it would be like to make a game based off an idea now but in the same format as a game made in like the early 90s and i think that's great but at the same time it's just that we are not in that time period anymore i think we ask for a little bit more from our games now maybe you know more narrative more story i mean everything's so nostalgia driven now and these games can Really, I mean, you can fit tons of them onto your mobile devices nowadays. So, I mean, you see a lot of re-releases, like uh, I, I saw DuckTales be re-released. And, uh, of course, one of my favorite side-scrolling beat-em-ups, the X-Men game, based on the, you know, the failed pilot Pride of the X-Men. That was one of my favorite oh. games to play at the arcade. And now I have it right on my tablet, you know. It's just, uh, mm. it's purely built on nostalgia because these weren't necessarily the greatest games but they were just, you know, fun to play and reminds you of uh, a different era in video gaming. Yeah, it's true. And I remember spending a lot of time uh, on my computer playing Doom, and now I can get Doom on my phone. I can walk around anywhere with Doom if I want to play Doom, or if I want to play Wolfenstein, that's on my phone as well. Uh, I can do those things. And that's the thing. It's it's strange that, you know, technology has come this far and so quickly, but at the same time, there are people who are still trying to hold on to the past, I mean, because, yeah, you know, we love nostalgia, and there's this huge influx of nostalgia. But at the same time, is if we keep living too much in nostalgia, we're not going to create anything new. We're just going to be like, oh, let's just remake this thing that we all loved, and let's remake something else. Let's do this stuff. And even though these video games that do come out, which are indie-driven, retro-stylized games, they're good, and the programming is you know, quite nice, but I, again, it's just the half-life isn't going to be as long as you wish it to be. Like, you know, it's not going to be ingrained in our minds going, oh man, remember playing this game where it's a horse that talks to people and you have to decipher what English is, but it's an 8-bit <laughs> style? There are, there are crazy ones out there, but <laughs> yes. that's just an example. I'm sure it's already been made that, you know, you play as a Mr. Ed, the talking horse, and you have to learn English. But it's right, an 8-bit right. style. But yeah, it's, it's like there are these games that, you know, people have a fondness to create because, yeah, they have a fondness of the past. Um, and I thought, you know, this game 
even though I can remember it fondly and I can remember the music, it's because I played it constantly on weekends, or uh, whenever I could, or whenever I borrowed the game. And so I had this fondness for it. So out of, out of all the games I borrowed from uh, my video busters, yeah, chiefly I'd have strong connections to this game because I enjoyed it. It had a great soundtrack. And so obviously I'd borrow it again. But, you know, I don't own the game. And it's been years since I've played it. I mean, and we're talking about it now, which means it has a longevity. Right. But that's the thing. It's like, it's because there was no other options. But now we have so many options. Like I played the, the Avengers game that was on Super NES. Oh, uh, yeah, that was, was good too. Mo- yeah, it was a multiplayer game. It had that uh, intro where it was like random guy going, The Avengers! <laughs> that was him. That's every time. It was like, you know, the game was the game was good. I mean, you know, you had a good selection of characters. But um, yeah, I mean, like going back to games and nostalgia. Yeah, I mean, I can remember the Spider-Man game because, it was, yeah, it was a fun game and I didn't really have any other options. And I remember getting a pizza and that game and a random movie. And that was usually like a Saturday night or, you know, Friday night, depending on what I was doing. Yeah, but here's the funny thing. That that game, I'm sure I'm talking way too much about this, but there have been so many versions of Carnage, right? And Carnage is strictly a psychopath who murders people. I actually do have a, a, a Carnage comic book from, was it late 90s? And it was him in Ravencroft, and they're trying to cure him of his insanity. And they go inside his mind because his symbiote goes into, was it? Dr. Kafka and John Jameson's body and then they have this kind of like inception kind of thing where they see inside his mind and it's a pretty gruesome comic like it's pretty violent too hmm. like there are people being hacked up in a creative way so which is really interesting but that, that's the thing the character's a psychopath but yet in the game he attacks someone and because it's it's just sprites and things like that it's fine it looks okay you know yeah. it's just comic booky. And then in the animated series, when you actually had Carnage turn up, because again, you had to make the animated series. The animated series had so many issues. Like, they couldn't have real guns. They had to make them laser guns. Uh, and they had to rework some of the characters. So, was it Morbius couldn't suck blood? He had to suck right, plasma. Right. Yes, plasma. <laughs> yeah. And so, when Carnage turns up in, in, I think, series two of the Spider-Man TV show, um, when Venom breaks out, it, it, it was funny because he's he's not specifically called a psychopath. Just, I think, crazy. And he doesn't go around killing people. He gets he's he's basically being controlled by uh, Mordo or Dumamu, and being told to he's, he's sucking people's life forces out of them. That's what hmm. he's been power, like. Strangely enough, they rewrote him so he's like using his symbiote tentacle powers to suck people's life force out of them, so he could power up Dumamu's crystals, so Dumamu could escape to terrorize reality. Wow. Um, but yeah, that's the thing. You take a psychotic character like that, a very violent character, and you you have to kind of PG rate him and get rid of any of the violence. So he's a pretty he was a pretty tricky character for them to actually, I guess, write and create for that TV show, especially for kids. I mean, they even made action figures of the guy as well. Oh yeah, and I had the Maximum Carnage action figure. Uh, it was basically you could get the set of three. Uh, I'm not sure. I think Walmart and some other department stores had them, or you could get the individual action figure of carnage which i had and it came with a little maximum carnage clip like pin almost that you could kind of like wear on a lapel or a pocket or something oh uh, yeah that's they, they remember, i do remember that yeah yeah they all the, the um animated series toys had them yeah the iron man ones had them and like fake little badges and stuff with those clips but yeah. they were all pretty much just spider-man the animated series action figures just repackaged and uh yeah that was the thing it's you, you had to take some pretty serious and dark characters 
and try to put them in the video games and in the, the cartoons in a way in which you could sell it and market it to all ages. And, and like you were saying about Morbius, you know, where he's like a, um, a living vampire. Uh, they actually had him suck plasma through ports in his hands. Do you remember that? Yeah. He, he touched people and that, that's what drained them of their, of their plasma. It, uh, yeah, so it, it's, it, it was an interesting thing to even market this storyline and not like the maximum clonage or anything, you know, crazy like that, but mm. they were going to take this very dark and scary character and make him an all ages, you know, centerpiece of their storyline. And, uh, wh- whether they succeeded or not, you know, I, I don't know, I guess it's pretty uh you know subjective but you know this is just a, a piece of my childhood as and i know as as you know yours as well and it's just uh <laughs> it kind of just brings back all those memories of playing these video games mm. it's just all these things that connected up like uh yeah like the animated series chiefly which comes to mind every time i think of the maximum um, carnage game because yeah that was a big show which i loved because i was a huge spider-man fan mm-hmm. i mean yeah my, my your taste in things change but yeah i always loved spider-man but yeah i, I remember that one episode and carnage being an episode because it was just weird i don't know what a line reading which is weird in that uh, episode because the character dumamu who's trapped in another dimension is talking to talking to the character of dumamu and he's like i need you to get the symbiote and it's like why because I need you to get the symbiote because it's about to reproduce. And then, this <laughs> <laughs> is a weird way of saying it, but then Dumamu, no, Dumamu, um, Mordo reacts in this kind of weird way where he's like, after he says, like, it's about to reproduce, he reacts like this. He's like, it can do that? <laughs> it's like, it's a, a weird line read, like a weird reaction to it. Like, he's so surprised by this. But the whole episode's a little bit of a mess. It's it's trying to mix up the whole maximum, I think, carnage and just carnage's introduction and uh, things like that, but still retain a childlike shape to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the the follow up series they did was was uh, Spider Man Unlimited, which is mm-hmm. a follow up series to the animated series, which had better animation, but was again just really unfortunate that it had to be very childlike directed because I think you had Carnage and Venom again turning up in this series. But they looked nothing like they used to. They were more monstrous. Yeah, this this was a it was a weird thing where Spider-Man series ended with Mary Jane being taken to Counter Earth or Earth Two, and so Spider-Man went after her. And then Unlimited took place in this Counter Earth where people were more like animals. They had like animal heads and stuff. And I don't know if this was the original Carnage or Venom, or if it was the Earth 2 version of Carnage or Venom. It was just a, a very weird show, and I never watched it growing up. That's kind of like where I jumped off the Spider-Man animated series bandwagon. I got into it. I, I watched it as much as I could. When I say as much as good, as much as I could until it didn't make sense. Because, was it? Yeah, it was supposed to be a continuation, because the last series of um, the original Spider-Man animated series was, was it? The last episode was called Farewell Spidey. And mm-hmm. it was like a three-episode kind of thing where uh, Spider Carnage was terrorizing people because it was like it was like a, a clone of Spider-Man was affected by the Carnage suit, the Carnage symbiote, and then went in, totally insane. Side and starting to he wanted to destroy all dimensions. And this was a mix between Maximum Clonage and also in the comic book of Spider Carnage, which I do have somewhere. I can mm-hmm. find it. But um, they were kind of blending those two things together because Spidey meets these op- uh, uh, parallel universe versions of himself, thanks to Madam Web, and he meets like you know uh, the Iron Suit Spider-Man, who's like Tony Stark, and he meets like the Six-Armed Spidey, and then he meets 
uh, was it Ben Riley? And when he takes his mask off, he's like, "Whoa, who are you?" Like that you know, because <laughs> yep. he's got blonde hair and everything. It looks completely different. You know, meeting the Scarlet Spider, uh, which wasn't too bad. But again, the, the, that last couple of episodes suffered from lack of money or mm-hmm. co- you know, cost cutting. Uh, but yeah, yeah, the last episode ended up with him meeting one one of the Spider Men was basically an actor who played him on TV. Yes, which. It got confusing because it got very meta because then like at the end of it he goes off and Madam Web says like it's time for you to meet someone special because she's taking all the Spider-Man back to their realities and he takes the actor who plays Spider-Man back to his reality and he gets to meet Stan Lee yes I remember that <laughs> yep yeah <laughs> just just to really you know cap off that this whole entire series is just a cartoon and unreal and he meets Stan Lee and says like you know you know wow you created all these characters you must be amazing and, and things like that and Stanley uh, plays himself too. Yeah, he he appeared in those episodes. I think he's also appearing at the same time. Was it doing narration or appearing in a couple episodes of the Fantastic Four animated series that they did? Yeah, in has, fact, li- a... live action introductions for a lot of those episodes as well. Yeah, I remember the Fantastic Four show because I had a really hokey theme music to it, and then they tried to redo the theme music again for the second series, and it just didn't work. It was called the was it Marvel Action Hour because he also had a uh, was it Fantastic Four and Iron Man. Yes. Yeah. Which actually yeah. was a bad series. Not bad, not bad. And uh, it's just uh, one point about the Fantastic Four series is that there's one episode where uh, the Thing tries to capitalize on his fame. I think he's trying to sell a book as well as uh, yeah. st- launch a music career. And there's a scene where he's uh, in a music video and the, the lyrics of the song are, Yo, what time is it? It's clobbering time. I don't know if you remember that. It's genius. Genius writing. It's well, amazing. the band... The band in that music video is Green Jello. Hey! <laughs> so they, they got a couple of uh, Marvel adaptations out there. Yeah, they got a couple of things coming back into it. But anyway, back to Spider-Man. Yeah, I remember, I think, uh, the new series that came off that um, Spider-Man Unlimited was, yeah, a continuation where it's like, he had to get onto the spaceship, which was going to go through a dimension, because they're using dimension technology, and beforehand... Venom and Carnage somehow got onto that ship with John Jameson and then he went through the teleporter in space and then they end up in the parallel universe and so Spidey's like, I gotta do the same thing and just to explain why he's a different outfit he stole some technology from Reed Richards, assumedly, that's what he says it's like, I got a new suit, thanks to Reed Richards, and you know, it does the whole was it, it goes invisible and has a new design to it uh-huh. Which they apparently ex- try to explain the comic book, which I also do have somewhere. It's like one <laughs> issue to explain why he's a different outfit. And then, you know, he goes to the Parallel Dimension and gets stuck there and has to fight a whole bunch of goofy looking characters. I don't know how that series ended, though. I think they just kind of stopped it and went like, yeah, let's just move on to something else. I think that's what happened, unfortunately. <laughs> I loved X-Men. I thought that was well done. That was great. I like how Spidey actually turned up for one episode of that, and also how the X-Men turned up in, in a Spider-Man episode. Yeah, I don't think... Sp- Spider-Man doesn't show up in that, but uh, the X-Men show up in the uh, the Mutant Agenda, a very special two-part episode of Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah he's, he appears that... No, Spidey appears that in... Oh, I think it's another one of those last episodes of the X-Men series where like, I think the world's being attacked, and it shows different parts of the world. Oh, in a and cameo, then, yeah. Well, it's his hand. That's it. It's oh, really? his hand... Yeah, it's basically showing New York being like it's like raining or like some sort of weather craziness is happening, and only his hand appears in shot. Like it's these hand just firing a web, and that's it. That's the only shot. That's the only thing you see him in the X Men. But the X Men appear in um yeah Spider Man's show. 
All right, well, that'll pretty much do it for this episode of Hitting Play. As always, you can email us with your comments, suggestions, if you beat the game, whatever you got for us at hittingplayshow at gmail.com, or you can talk to us on Twitter at Hitting Play. Now, Hamish, do you have anything you want to plug? The only thing I have is you can find me, Hamish, Silent Hamish, uh, on Vine, Silent Hamish, Twitter at Silent Hamish, Instagram at Silent Hamish. Basically, most things Silent Hamish, really. <laughs> you'll, you'll, you'll find links on, you know, I think on your page. You put up links anyway. Yes, yes, links yes. in the description. But follow him on Vine, everybody. I am on Twitter as well. My name there is at MC and Friends. You can follow me there. I am also on Vine. There, my name is also MC and Friends. And there I do flip page animation, little humorous cartoons. You can check my stuff out there. If you listen to us on iTunes, please subscribe and leave us a five-star review. It helps us out. And if you do, you will get a shout out on the show. And we try to be creative with those. For Android users, we are also available to stream and or download on Stitcher. We can be found on TuneIn Radio and coming soon to Google Play. Well, we have been Hamish and Scott, and this has been Hitting Play. Thank you so much for listening. And please don't come at me with any umbrellas, because I will attack you violently.